2009, in spite of a highly successful international marketing career, David Stone worried himself into homelessness. Then, fed up with the fear, anxiety, and self-doubt that got in the way of the life that he really wanted to live, he set out to find a better way. Now, today, he guides others to live fearlessly through his books, workshops, keynotes, and blogs. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. What are the biggest obstacles that keep us from achieving our highest potential? With me today is David Stone, and he firmly believes that your parachute, oh I love this David, your parachute cannot open until you jump out of the plane. That is so perfectly stated. In his interview today, he is going to share how we do that and overcome worry, anxiety, and self-doubt. Welcome, David. Thank you, Carol. I'm thrilled to be here, and I really appreciate the invitation. Well, we're going to start with the bottom and work our way up, and I'm going to quote, I hit bottom when I was living in my car in August of 2009, but I never felt helpless or hopeless. I was always knew that I could find a way out of my situation, and I realized that the obstacles were inside of me, and I was determined to find a way past them. How about if you share your story and what brought you to that realization? Sure, I'd be happy to. And, and frankly, that's what informs all the work that I do these days. Because so many of us uh, find ourselves uh, really crippled by anxieties and worries and fears. And these last couple of years has been uh, just overwhelmingly uh, anxious right, for right. so many people. But um, what I found, and it, it is a, a bit of a um, conundrum that I should be, have been uh, having a very successful career, making good money, and yet uh, worrying myself into homelessness living in my car. Hmm. And a bit of background on that. I, um, uh, I, we all have so many uh, limiting beliefs about ourselves. And mine started very early uh, when I was growing up as a child. I had a very, very happy childhood. I had a very wonderful family, wonderful parents, but we did not have very much money. 
and you know the the ratio of kids to money in the family was a little bit off kilter mm. and so i grew up uh aware of the fact that and and sort of having it reinforced to me that money doesn't grow on trees and mm-hmm. uh and you have to work really really hard uh and just to it just to be able to scrape pie and it I wasn't given lessons out uh, per se, but, it, you know, it just um, <laughs> through osmosis, you pick it up. And basically what I grew up believing was that if you were going to be rich, you had to be either crooked or lucky. <laughs> and, I, and I was neither of those things. And so, uh, I, you know, I spent my life worrying about money. And and despite the fact that I had, despite the fact that I had plenty, uh, nonetheless I worried about it. Okay, fine. We made the mortgage payment this month, and we've got there's plenty of money in the bank this month. But what about next month? Uh, you know, that's when the problem's going to happen. And so, of course, we become what we think about enough eventually. And uh, sooner or later, what happens is your fears, your self talk become a self-fulfilling prophecy and uh, it doesn't matter how much you make you could be making millions and millions of dollars all you need to be doing is spending millions and millions plus one and then there's none left over Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so and so you go broke and I think that there's was a lot of self-sabotaging going on and uh, and so I found myself uh, and there were some other things that, uh, you know, out of respect for other people involved, I won't get involved, I won't start to talk to, but there were other people involved that um, that I was wanting to blame. It was very easy to say, ah, well, if this person hadn't done that, then I'd be fine. But as I was sitting in my car, waking up in the mornings, I would look around and all of our uh, tendencies, all of our instincts are to see, you know, first of all, to complain about the situation we're in and to look to see who we can blame for it. Well, it must be the government's fault. It must be the economy's fault. It must be my client or my boss's fault, it might, you know, somebody's fault. But the more I thought about that, the more I looked in the mirror, I realized that in everything that had happened that led up to that situation, uh, there was one and one person only present for it all. And that was the guy in the mirror. And so uh, it was not a comfortable or, or pleasant conclusion to reach on the one hand, because I said, oh, okay, maybe it is me. But having when you reach that conclusion, it is also incredibly liberating because as long as your problems or as long as you believe that your problems are the fault of someone else, then your situation is in their hands. And there's nothing you can do about it because until they decide to change their mind and say, oh, okay, I'll stop doing that for your benefit, then you're stuck. But as soon as you decide, no, I'm the one that got me into this, and therefore I'm also the one that can get me out of this, suddenly you own the, <laughs> you've got your hands on the wheel. And, uh, you know, it might be hard slogging, but nonetheless, you get to make choices 
that get you out of there. And that was the most liberating thing of all was the morning I woke up that said, you know, two things I realized. Number one was the fact that, you know, obviously my way is not working because my way has got me to here. So you can be stubborn and you can be pigheaded and you can, uh, you know, desperately want to be right. But uh, the facts <laughs> speak otherwise and they speak quite loudly. And so you look around and say, okay, you know, whatever got me here was not what I wanted. And now I realize that I was the one that got me here. So that also means I can get me out of here. And at that moment, I, everything changed. And I just be, felt so empowered and so liberated and so uh, eager to say, all right, I'm going to do this differently now. And I don't have to blame somebody else. Now, it might be that there are external circumstances that contributed to it. But again, as long as I'm blaming those circumstances, I'm powerless, completely powerless to change my situation. But if I accept those circumstances and say, all right, this is the situation I find myself in. What, can, what choices do I have? What can I do about it? And even if someone has put me in a dungeon and, ch and shackled me to the wall, uh, I may not be able to get out of that room, but I can certainly choose my mental responses and my emotional responses because no one can ever take away your ability to make choices for yourself and cho choose how I feel about it. I loved everything that you said there. Like it was capsulized. It was in a nutshell. Mm. I really, really appreciate that. I do, however, want to go back and ask a couple questions before Certainly. we move forward. You mentioned self-sabotage and also playing the blame game. And I think mm -hmm. that is quite common and it can come from a variety of places, including our upbringing, etc. Yeah. My question to you is, do you think that the core problem is a lack of either self-worth or uh, being insecure? Is that where it starts? Absolutely. And, you know, lack of self-worth, being insecure, all of those things uh, have their roots in fear. Uh, okay. Anxiety, worry, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, all of these things, when you boil them right down to it, they are all various flavors of fear. And what's really interesting is, and what happened after I decided I was going to do something about it, I set about studying, uh, studying myself, studying everything I could get my hands on to learn about how does this work. How do, how do our minds work? And I learned all about fear. And this is a really useful topic because fear in itself, I mean, just raw fear, um, you know, the tiger is jumping out of the woods and it's about to eat you, is a very useful biological response that we've all been pre-programmed with. You know, a real and present danger and our bodies, our biology is set up to protect us. And what happens is, our, our senses perceive uh, a threat. Something is about to kill me. And our body responds. We pump adrenaline into our system. We pump cortisol into our system. And that uh, increases your heart rate, increases your breathing rate, strengthens your muscles. It increases your or speeds up your response and your uh, reaction rate or speed. 
and then we uh, we're able to react. Uh, so let's take a modern day example because we don't often get attacked by tigers. But a modern day example: you're walking along the street, you're watching, you know, you're looking at your phone, you're texting, you step out to cross the street, and you look, happen to look, and there's a bus coming down, and it's about to plow you over. Well, all of those things happen. You know, your eyes see the bus, your heart rate goes up, you know, the cortisol pumps in, you're suddenly stronger than you were, and you jump back onto the sidewalk. And, oh, whew, everything's fine. Uh-huh. I survived. And then your heart rate goes back down, you relax, and everything's fine. Now, that's, that's a real useful response. But in today's world, most of the fear that we experience is either imagined or yes, somehow yes. vague and far off in the distance. So I'm worried about my finances in retirement. I'm worried about this mole on my arm. I'm worried about that my friend hasn't liked my Facebook post yet. Now, when I say worried, when we extrapolate and say, all right, what are you worried about? Well, I'm worried that I'm going, you know, about my finances in retirement. Well, tell me what you're actually worried about. I'm worried that I'm going to end up being homeless, pushing a shopping cart, looking for pop cans to uh, trade in for nickels so I can mm-hmm. buy cat food for my dinner. You know, that's sort of the the ultimate. I'm, you know, at, at the end of all our fears is some rat infested prison that we're eating gruel in for the rest of our lives. <laughs> and and uh, and so because these fears are kind of vague, you know, when the bus is coming, I know what to do. I got to jump out of the right, way and I got to right. do it right now. But if I'm thinking about some fear that's more far off or more vague, I don't really know what to do about it. But my body responds in exactly the same way. My body says, oh, he's afraid of something. Quick, pump the cortisol into the system. Quick, pump the, you know, get the heart rate up and get the, and so Anxiety is a fear that is about something, a perceived threat that is more off in the distance or more vague. We're not quite sure what it, what we're supposed to be afraid of. So, for example, if we're afraid that uh, about our uh, finances in retirement or we're afraid about, you know, I'm worried about this mole on my arm, we're not quite sure exactly what to do about it because the danger is not immediate. And yet our bodies respond just the same way. Our body says, oh, he he's perceiving a danger. We have to, you know, the body, the heart, the lungs, all those things still have to go on high alert. And so we spend our time in this perpetual red alert state with cortisol pumping in too much and all these hormones pumping in and our heart rate elevated. And that had takes such a huge toll on the body. And, and and we live in constant fear. We're never settled. We're never happy. We're never at peace. And when I realized that, I thought, I don't want that. I want to do something else. So that's when I started to study and learn everything I possibly could about how I got to that position. So the first step would be an awareness, if I'm hearing you correctly. That and, is exactly right. And the second step is your perception of what you want or need to change. Would you say that would be part of that awareness as well? Well, yes. Um, I've, you know, through the process I went through for myself and have since refined and developed, there really are three steps 
that are necessary. Oh, okay. And the first, yeah. And the first step is to what I call interrupt the pattern. Psychologists use this term, pattern interrupt. We have mental patterns. We have thought habits that we go through. You know, something happens and we immediately go to an anxious uh, state that we're in. Uh, or that we immediately start worrying about, oh, that's just like it was back then. And that same terrible thing's going to happen. And we want to interrupt that pattern. Mm-hmm. And we do that. And there's several things we can do. Uh, one of the things that we can do is when we're anxious and worried, we're, of course, focused enti- entirely on all the terrible things mm-hmm. that are, we know or we're convinced are going to happen. One of the great ways to interrupt that pattern is to flip a focus and focus on things that are going right. And there's this great little exercise that I like to have have people do. And that is to think about, and and we start by saying, all right, I want you to think about five things that you did before you turned 18 that you were really proud of, that you were, (laughs) were real victories or accomplishments for you. And of course, you know, it's things like, well, I, uh, I wrote a poem in the sixth grade and I stood up and read it in front of the class or I, you know, won a race at field day or I made it on the swim team in high school, whatever it is. There's all kinds of things like that. I made a merit badge in Girl Guides or Cub Scouts. You'd be amazed, though, how many people actually cannot think of anything. Really? That they did. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. They're so, they're, our minds are so tuned to everything that's going wrong and all the things that are con- going to continue going wrong that we've lost the ability to think about things that are going right. And Man. so, I mean, the glass isn't just half full. The glass is empty. <laughs> and the glass is broken on the floor and uh, incapable of holding anyone. So... So that is one of the pattern interrupts that we do. Say, all right, let's think. And then, of course, before you were 18, and then when you first went to college, and then when you had your first job, and then when you were first married, and we just take it, and then right up to five things that you did last week that you really, and now suddenly you're changing the way you're thinking about the world and thinking about your life and realize, oh, there are, it's not all just terrible and, you know, the rocks are falling on my head. There's a whole bunch of things. And in fact, when we think about it, there's even more stuff going on. The next thing that we have to do to interrupt the pattern is to figure out why is it that I'm feeling this way? Now, when we go right back to infancy, it's really interesting. Uh, Infants are born pre-programmed with two and only two fears. <laughs> they're afraid of loud noises and they're afraid of falling. Right. Or at least, you know, they respond that way. Mm-hmm. Everything else that we are afraid of, we have learned along the way and picked up. We've been taught to. Now, in my case, I was taught at a very young age to be worried about money. Okay. Now, And so now, and I learned those lessons really, really well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people like, and and so the self-talk that goes on in your head is, oh, people like me don't make lots of money. People like me don't have lots of money in the bank. And so suddenly when there is lots of money in the bank, what do you do? Well, you spend it to bring it back into that, uh, you know, okay, now this is more like it's normal. Like winning the lottery. Those people yeah, who spend it immediately. Ex- okay. That's exactly right. 
And so we go back and say, all right, where did I learn these things? Because I learned, picked them up along the way somewhere. And sometimes there are particular incidents. Sometimes there's just, uh, uh, you know, uh, environments that you grew up in. But then the other thing is that we realize that we are being, this fear is being reinforced daily by the world around us. If you watch the news now or listen to the news or go online to, you know, to see the news, it's just one horror after another that's telling us, you know, you might as well jump off the cliff now because it's just going to keep getting worse. And, uh, and so, and not only is it, you know, it used to be that it was on at 11 o'clock at night or 10, or now it's 24 seven. Right. Exactly. And, and you flip it on and they, you know, they purposely crank it up. And, and I love the, you know, the, uh, the announcers that says, here's what you need to know right now. I know. Yeah. And the urgency is there. And so I go, oh, no, what do I need to know right now? And it turns out that what I need to know right now is that there's a typhoon on the other side of the planet. Now, why do I need to know that? And why do I need to know it right now? And yet it pumps me up and gets me anxious again. Yes. And so, uh, so I realize, okay, I'm being manipulated here. And I get to turn it off. I, my, personally, I do not watch the news ever at all about nothing. And uh, somehow I seem to, and people say, but how do you stay informed? And I say, what, what do I need to stay informed about? You know, if something really big happens, I'll find out about it soon Exactly. Enough. And more and more people are beginning to feel that way, I believe. Don't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I I do. I meet more and more people that say, no, I haven't watched the news for a year because I just don't like the way it feels. And what's happening is you're starting to take control over your own mm. emotional landscape. And this is the biggest thing that says, I will take 100% responsibility for everything that's going on in my life. And even if I can't control the circumstances, I can control my response to it. Perfect. Perfect. So that's, that's how we interrupt the pattern. That's how we put, a, you know, put the brakes on it, at least by just recognizing. And there are a number of other steps that I talk about in my book and I talk about in, in the workshops and the programs that I offer. Well, we're going we're going to talk about um, a few more things. We're just going to take a short break because, first of all, sure. I do want to know, and I'm sure my audience wants to know, is how what are the steps which you started to explain, but mm -hmm. how do we opt out of the anxiety? How do, how do we really overcome those emotions and what's being we're being bombarded with besides just turning off the tv so we'll be back in I, just a I moment i can't wait to answer that okay carol graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir battered hope she relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Next step. All right. So we have interrupted the pattern 
of our habitual mental thinking. And one of the things that we've recognized, <clears throat> excuse me, in that process is that these are nothing but mental habits. You know, we have developed this as this is just our go to thing. So we want to interrupt that. And we've we've done that. Now, step number two is where we reset our mind and reset our our thinking. And we do that by I have a, a guided visualization that I pay, take people through. And what it does is allow you to experience for yourself, what it actually feels like to be completely and utterly worry-free with mm. no, it's, uh, and you know, it's, it's not a meditation. It's just this guided visualization that I take you through. And the way it works is that for everybody who has worry or anxiety or whatever, it always shows up in our body somewhere as tension. I agree. For me, right. it was always up in my shoulders and my neck area. And it felt like this steel bar that ran from shoulder to shoulder kind of thing. But what we do is we use our imagination and focus on that tension that's in our body. And we use our imagination and actually turn it into an object. So I actually visualize this a steel bar in my body stretching from shoulder to shoulder. And then using my imagination, I started to manipulate it. And so instead of a steel bar that was, I don't know, 18 inches long or 24 inches long, I shrunk it down. So it was only six inches long. And then I stretched it out again, only stretched it past my shoulder. So it was touching both sides of the room. And then I shrunk it down again. Instead of a steel bar, I turned it into a ball. And again, all in my imagination. And then instead of made of steel, I'd made it be made of wood. Instead of being like gray, black color, I'd made it be pink or green or purple or whatever. And what's happening is instead, what you're doing is going through an exercise of instead of the anxiety controlling you, you are now taking control of right, it. Right, right. Saying, I'm going to be the one in charge here. And so you start playing with it, with your imagination. You move it around and down into your left foot and up into your right hand and you know over to the other side. And, and eventually, then I bring it out onto my hand and I set it down on the floor beside me and I look at it and then I pick it up and it's kind of shaped like a baseball and I toss it up and down a couple of times. And, and again, in my workshops, I, I guide people through this. And then I say, all right, now I want you to tape bring this thing out into your hand as if it was you were holding a baseball, toss it up and down a couple of times. Now in your imagination, turn it into uh, a ball of dust and then take the dust and turn the dust into mist and then just take a deep breath and blow it away. And that, and that's the end of the guided visualization. And then I say, okay, now open your eyes and look around and try now to be worried about that thing you were worried about. And you can't. It's utterly impossible. You just feel so free and so relaxed. And you think, wow, this is great because you took control of it. I said there, that's what worry-free feels like. That's what a fearless feels like. And if you like it, what we have to do now, step three, is we have to lock that in. Because anxiety is a habit. Of course, you know, I feel great right now, but tomorrow morning it'll come back because uh, habits are like that. Right. And so what we need to do is replace that mental habit 
with some different ones. Because we, you can get rid of any habit, but only by replacing it with a different habit. And so there are three primary mental habits that we want to replace anxiety with. And the first one is gratitude. And so we want to start a practice and a habit of gratitude. And so we start waking up first thing in the morning. And quick, five things that you're grateful for right now. I'm grateful that I had a great sleep. I'm grateful for the sunshine coming in the morning. I'm grateful for this pillow that I was uh, sleeping on. I'm grateful for the coffee that's waiting for me. Yeah, and, but different things. Not Because some people say, yes, I'm grateful for my family. and grateful blah, 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 my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes rote. No, I want you to think of something new, a new list every time so that you really think about it. And then we turn that into a habit throughout the day. So at lunchtime, uh, you know, what are you grateful for right now? Dinner time, just before you go to bed, what are you grateful for through the day? And we start thinking about the wonderful things that go on in our lives, the big things and small things. Like right now, for example, I'm talking to you. I'm feeling grateful for whoever invented the internet because here, you know, here you are way on the other side of the country. You and I are diagonally opposite because I'm on the Southwest coast of Florida. And yet we're having this wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful for that, that we're able to do this. The neat thing about gratitude is it is impossible to simultaneously hold a fearful thought and a grateful thought at the same time. It cannot be done. Interesting. You can, you can either be fearful or you can be grateful because great gratitude is very close to love and love and fear are opposites. Hate is not the opposite of love. Love and hate, as you, as, you know, as we all know, who, you know, if we've been with people for a long time, they can be very, very close together sometimes. <laughs> but love and fear, those are actual opposites. And so when we have gratitude in our hearts, which is very, very close to love, it is impossible to experience fear. So we want to cultivate that as a habit. The second thing that the second mental habit we want to cultivate is something that I call replace it with purpose, replace it with purpose. So I believe very, very strongly that every single one of us was put here on this planet for a reason. And I heard a great saying one time, I don't know who said it, I'd love to find out, but it it was, um, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why. (laughs) I love it. I I love that because far too many of us, and this was my life before this was, okay, why am I here? I'm here to make money so I can pay the mortgage. I'm here to make money so I can buy my kids shoes to go to school with or, you know, or, or make the car payments or whatever. That's not a purpose. That's just churning up dust is all that is. Um, a purpose is, no, there's something important that I need to be doing here. And it can be, I mean, we all see people who are, you know, enormous. We, we just, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu just passed away uh, a week or so ago. And, um, you know, there's a guy who, and, and Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa, and all these people that had world-changing 
And those were on the more spiritual side. You know, then there's the Elon Musks of the world and the Bill Gates and the Steve Jobs of the world. We don't, the vast majority of us won't do that, but we can all have a reason for getting up mm -hmm. in the morning. Exactly. You know, if, if you're a parent and you've got young kids, your purpose is to be bringing up these kids. My purpose now in my life, and I was 65 years old when I suddenly realized what I want to be when I grow up. My purpose now is to help other people realize that you do not have to live with anxiety. You can mm. actually opt out of it. That gets me up every morning. It gets, it's what I do. It's why I breathe now. And um, it's, you know, it's what, I, what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, it just excites me and gets me going. We all have that purpose. And yes. when you have that purpose, then anything that comes along that's an obstacle to that is nothing but an annoyance and get out of the way because I'm busy here. I got things to do. And fear and anxiety are simply those obstacles that, previously they would stop us in our tracks but now we just say oh no come on i don't have time for that i, I got stuff to do so I that's the second one yeah oh go ahead so, sorry go ahead no that's okay um and the third the third mental habit that we want to cultivate is what i call instant action and here's how it works. Let's say, for example, that you're worried about um, your health. You know, I'm worried that I'm, you know, my, I'm, I'm overweight. I'm not eating properly. And whatever it is, I'm not feeling well. And, it's, and of course, the worries love to show up in the middle of the night. It's two o'clock in the morning and you're lying there wide awake and you're worrying about your health. And now, of course, uh, I like to call it anxiety squared, uh, you know, because now you're worried about worrying. I shouldn't be worrying, you know, now I'm worried about not yeah. getting enough sleep and I won't have, you know, oh no, it's just spiraling out of control. So that's when you say, that's it. I stop. I'm not going to try and go back to sleep right now. I'm going to get up out of bed. Yeah, it's two o'clock in the morning, but I'm going to take action right now, instant action about my health. So what can you do at two o'clock in the morning? Well, uh, at two o'clock in the morning these days, I can go online and I can book an appointment with my healthcare professional and get that checkup that I've been avoiding. Uh, if it's if I realize I should uh, get more fitness, I can go online at two o'clock in the morning and I can order a Peloton machine and it'll be here tomorrow. You know? And uh, and so now I've taken action. And one more time. I am controlling the anxiety instead of it controlling me. Exactly. Because I'm doing something about it. Now, if I'm worried about my finances, for example, at two o'clock in the morning, I can get up, I can get a piece of paper or my computer, and I can make a budget for the next 30 days. Write down, here's what I got, you know, here's, here's what I'm going to use, here's how I'm going to spend my money for the next 30 years, Here, I'm, here's how much I'm going to save. And now you've done something about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then... Before you go back to bed, write down five more things that you can do in the next 24 hours that will tackle or, uh, you know, address this thing that you're worried about, this thing that you're fearing. And then what's happening, you can go back to bed and you will fall asleep instantly and sleep like a baby. Why? Because you have taken control. Exactly. And, Perfect. And when you, and there are some more 
habits, you know, like turn off the news and you know things like that, and and choose your entertainment carefully. I'm I'm very careful about the kind of movies I watch and stuff because I just don't like feeling awful. I, you know, I work hard <laughs> enough to feel good. Why would I pay, you know, pay 10 bucks to go and sit for two hours to have somebody make me feel horrible? Now, are uh, these things that you address in your books? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yep. There's a nice and what are the list. what are the names of your two books? The first book is called Unsubscribe from Anxiety. And of course, the title was chosen because, you know, we all get, uh, you know, junk email these days. And all you have to do is click to unsubscribe and you don't get it anymore. And that's all you have to do is you just have to click to unsubscribe from anxiety. And the subtitle is how to opt out of the myth, because I believe it is a myth hmm. that that worry is a fact of life. And that's the first book. The second book is called The Fearless Decision. And its subtitle is How to Live in the World Without Being Afraid of It. Love the both titles. Thank They're self-explanatory as well. They really are. This is the type of interview where everyone needs to hear it twice. Mm. Because I was making notes as you were talking. And yeah. there's, it's excellent. There's the points, the steps, the clarity that you are giving. It's the simplicity of it. Oh, thank you. And that is, I think, key to changing something that we want to change in our lives is not to make it so complicated. And you yeah. have done that. You have simplified it. And I really appreciate that. So, oh, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> in closing, is there anything you want to say in uh, summer? Oh, yes. I would love for your listeners to, to realize them for themselves that Anxiety, as much as it doesn't feel like it right now, anxiety is actually a choice that you have been making so often and for so long that it has become a habit and that habit has dropped down below your level of conscious awareness so that it simply feels like that's who you are and that's, you know, there's nothing can be done about it, but you can. And you don't need medication and you don't need expensive therapy and years of therapy or anything like that. You can. I, I've got a program that teaches people how to overcome fear of public speaking. And that hmm. is one of the most Excellent. common ones in three days flat permanently. That's it. You're done. And uh, and so you can do that. You, it's just, oh, interrupt the pattern, reset and then lock it in. Those are the three steps. Very well put. I really appreciate Thank that. Thank you so much. Know that people need to listen to this more than once. Take notes and go mm -hmm. to the website. Take a look at his books. They're available on the website there and all the other information and how you can contact David. I really, really appreciate what you said. I cannot emphasize that enough. So thank oh, you thank again, you. David, for being on Never ever give up hope thank you for listening to never ever give up hope featuring carol graham did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to quitting was never an option carol loves your comments and will respond to each one so please subscribe and review this podcast a rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, 
If you are still here, there is always hope.